Good morning. My name is Minu Kim, uh, associate pastor here at St. Stephen's, and it is joy and honor to worship with you this morning. As Pastor Spencer mentioned, this morning we reflect on Jesus as our king, reflecting on his kingship, for we are people of his kingdom. And the scripture message for today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, Verses 33 to 43. This is a familiar story, uh, often set aside just for Good Friday. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by, watching. But the leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. In this movie uh, called Schindler's List, which came, uh, which, uh, came out 30 years, almost 30 years ago in 1993, a film based, film based on the true stories of the Holocaust that is considered one of Steven Spielberg's, Spielberg's best. There is, in this movie, there's a scene where two characters have a discussion over the definition of power. One character is named Amon Goth, a Nazi commander, and the other character is the protagonist of the movie, Oskar Schindler, a German business, businessman and a member of the Nazi party who has a change of heart and helps save thousands of Polish, Polish Jews using his factories. And in this one particular, particular scene, Goth is drunk, notices Schindler is not, and murmurs, you're never drunk. That's real control. Control is power. And he continues to say that is why people fear them, because the Nazi leadership has all the power to control the people. If a person commits a crime, then they have him killed, and they feel pretty good about it, says Goth. But Schindler interjects, saying, that's not power. That's justice. It's different 
than power. Power is when we have every justification to kill, and we don't. And, continue, and, and, and he continues on his, with his monologue, saying, that's power. That's what the emperor said. A man stole something. He's brought in before the emperor. He throws himself down on the floor. He begs for mercy. He knows he's going to die. And the emperor pardons him. This worthless man, he lets him go. That's power. This short two-minute scene shows how these two men define and view power differently. And their differing, differing understanding of power puts them on two different paths. One on the, one on the hand, on the one hand, Goth considers power, control as power, which drives from fear. And throughout the movie, we see Goth being driven by this very definition of power, causing an unthinkable horror to the Jews. And it is not just Goth, but this kind of power motivates both the Nazi soldiers of different ranks and also the German citizens of different ages. In the movie, we see uh, this scene where a child also mocks the Jews while throwing rocks at them, adopting the behaviors and actions of the adults around her. And on the other hand, Schindler considers mercy as power which drives from compassion. And throughout the movie, we see how Schindler works against his own people, against the current, against the status quo, and against the face of evils in order to rescue as many, as, as many people as possible from the concentration camps. This movie, Schindler List, uh, in its entirety, begs us to ponder on this theme of power. What is power? How would I define power? What kind of power influences me and motivates me? And in today's scripture from Luke's gospel, we also see two differing understanding of power. One is the power that controls. This power is represented in Caesar, the emperor of the Roman Empire. The empire's man mantra was that Caesar is Lord. It was Caesar who would deliver the people and bring peace on earth. It was Caesar whom the people should worship and fear. The accusation against Jesus was to claim that he claimed that he had undermined law and order of the Roman Empire, preventing people from paying their taxes to Caesar and claiming himself to be the true king. This was the justification to crucify Jesus on the cross, a method of capital punishment designed for violent criminals. Perhaps capital punishment is the most extreme yet effective way of showcasing the system's power over people. There are reasons why these kinds of executions have been done publicly in so many different civilizations throughout human history. The scripture says the people just stood watching what was happening. Being bystanders, either paralyzed 
or captivated by the power represented in this capital punishment. If you cross the line, we will take your life, for we have power over you. And we also see both the leaders and the soldiers mocking Jesus. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Both worked for power that was Caesar. And the dissonance between their understanding of Caesar and the image of Christ made the situation even more comical. How could one who cannot even save himself claim to be a king? Instead of sitting on a throne, Jesus was hung on a cross. While it's not told in Luke's gospel, instead of a crown made of evergreen leaves, Jesus was given a crown made of thrones, thorns. And even one of the criminals next to Jesus joined in the mockery. Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Maybe he just wanted to join the fun before his own execution. An example of mob mentality, which is adopting the behaviors and actions of people around them. Nonetheless, his comment highlights the normative understanding of power across all people. See, the Messiah was understood to be the promised deliverer and savior of Israel. And the expectation of this messianic king was conceptualized with the common understanding of power represented in Caesar or in any other earthly kings and queens. The Messiah would deliver his people by destroying his enemies with force ultimately bringing justice and peace on earth. What they expected in the promised Messiah was a warrior king on a stallion, not a humble teacher on a donkey. And this brings us to the other type of power, the power represented in Jesus Christ, the humble teacher on a donkey. From his birth, in a manger to his death on a cross. His life and ministry subverted the common understanding of power. Instead of armed forces, he took fishermen, tax collectors, and women as his community. He exercised a different kind of power, a kind of power that loves, a kind of power that forgives, a kind of power that serves, and the kind of power that shares a table with the poor, the lowly, and the marginalized. He said his peace would be different from what the world gives. When I think about this story, I, I, I firmly believe that Jesus could have saved himself if he wanted to. Yet, he did not see the need to prove himself to anyone, and that's power. His prayer on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, is power. And his obedience unto death, 
allowing his blood to be the very thing that reconciles all things to God through the forgiveness of sins is power. And also for the other criminal who recognized Jesus as the Messiah, despite the crowd behavior, is power. For him to confess his sins and ask for deliverance, despite the appeared helplessness and hopelessness on Jesus, of Jesus on a cross, is power. Anyone can confess Jesus as Lord, but not all enter the kingdom of God unless they recognize and submit to the kind of power Jesus embodies. This other criminal recognized and submitted himself to that power. Thus, Jesus responded to him, Truly I tell you, today, now, you will be with me in paradise. The kingdom of God begins as soon as we acknowledge his power, Jesus' power, which is different from the rest of the world's. So, what is power? How would you define power? And what kind of power motivates you and influences you? In today's story, we hear the chant of save yourself three times repeated, which made me ponder for a long, long time. Perhaps all of us are familiar with the, with the mockery of save yourself and the pressure to prove ourselves in light of established systems. Isn't that the sweet aroma of the American dream we are told to chase? You have all the power to do whatever you want. You can control your destiny if you put your mind to it. So go out there and prove yourself. Whether we like it or not, we naturally assume control as power. Those who can control their lives become powerful, and those who are powerful control the lives of other people. Holding this power is perceived as attractive, successful, and influential. This kind of power is what we worship, idolize, and pursue after. Autonomy and independence are seen as key traits to becoming functional members of society. And it is considered disgraceful and shameful to others to show others that we have no control over our lives. So even when, we, when our lives are caught in a whirlwind, we try to carry this facade that everything is in control. This is why we have a hard time asking for help. Re research from Stanford University reports that children as young as seven hold this belief that asking for help would make them appear incomp incompetent, weak, and inferior. And also, we go through an extensive grieving process when we lose our power, when we lose our control, when we can no longer control the things we used to control. We experience this when we get sick, when we get hurt. As we get older, 
and as we get lost in our fast-changing, unpredictable world. And because our identity is so deeply embedded in our ability to control, losing our power also means losing our identity. I think about this a lot in relation to our church, as a local church in general, as a denomination, and as a religion. The church is shrinking, or as they often say, the church is dying. And we often hear, oh, the church is not the same anymore. And a lot of people are grieving. And this grieving is manifested in various stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, or acceptance. And I wonder why we are actually grieving. Are we grieving because we think the church no longer has the kind of power to control all things? Or are we grieving because we think the church no longer has the kind of power that reconciles all things to God through the love of Christ? So what is power? How do we define power? What kind of power influences and motivates us, our church? The Apostle Paul testifies in his second letter to the Corinthians that he appealed to the Lord three times about his apparent thorn, whatever that is that made him weak, powerless, out of control. And the Lord responded, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul praises, testifies, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. To profess Jesus as our king is to submit ourselves to the power of Christ who reigns over us. This means we let go of the world's understanding of power. We are not budged by the temptation to prove ourselves. We do not keep count and tabs of the wrongs done by people to hold it over them. And we confess that we are weak and we actually cannot save ourselves. The kingdom of God begins as soon as we let go of the world's understanding of power and surrender ourselves to a different kind of power exemplified in the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is this very power that influences us and motivates us to live as kingdom people here on earth. The Apostle Paul explains in the same letter. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation 
to us. Sharing this message of reconciliation in the face of evil is power. Sharing this message of reconciliation in light of all the commotions of the world is power. Sharing this message of reconciliation despite the fear of losing our control is power. Like the other criminal who recognized Christ in a dying man with a thorn crown despite the crowd's mockery and derision. Like our grace ministries who continues to serve our neighbors in need despite the challenges of the pandemic. Like those who continue to serve faithfully as ministers of reconciliation despite the talks of schism or disaffiliation. Like those who forgive their debtors, transgressors, and enemies despite the temptation to settle old scores. Like those who boast in their weaknesses despite being looked down upon as incompetent, weak, or inferior like those who pray, confessing that they cannot save themselves, despite the world who tells us otherwise. This is power. This is power of Jesus Christ. This is power. May this power of Jesus Christ found in the powerful powerlessness of the cross, restore us, sustain us, and empower us as we seek God's kingdom come. Let us pray together. O God of eternity, we stand with the courage of those who insisted even in troubling times, that not even the most powerful rulers of this earth hold our eternal destiny in their hands. We are secure in your Son, Jesus Christ, whose reign is just, whose power is endless, and whose love is unfathomable. Clothe us in your spirit that we stretching out our hands in loving service for others, may bring those who do not know you to an awareness and love of you, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God forever. Let us pray together with the very prayer Jesus Christ taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.